This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Good to see all of you today. Bless you. I'm glad you made it out. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you. If you're a regular, I'm glad you're here too. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand up? Just real quickly get your hand up and our ushers will get you the Word of God. Again, you get in the Word and God will get into you. Once you got your Bible, go with me to John 14. We'll go John 14, then we'll go to John 16. Talking here about the Holy Spirit again. The blessings of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So as you're turning there, just in the first service, we, we had altar calls on people to be filled and to saved. And, and we had a young man, woo, on his own. Just strolled right down here to these altars. No one pushing him or prompting him to man just on his own here he came and I kind of startled me and I looked and he was right here and so through our praise and worship team singing I went down there and I said you need to get born again and he said I I need to rededicate I said okay and I said well what's up and he said I've done a lot of bad things and he just began to weep and cry so what I see with this is None of us are perfect, okay? We're all a bunch of broken pieces. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so thank God, God allows us to come in and repent and get our hearts right with us. So just get ready. I believe God's going to move in certain areas, all right? We begin in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, if you love me, say so. If you love me, keep my commandments. The verb there, keep. And so those who love Christ will prove their devotion to Christ by their obedience. If you love me, obey me. And so when you look at this right here, God sets the guidelines. God sets the boundaries. We don't. And so I I choose either to obey or I disobey. And so we have a thought here that, well, I, I want to live my life by man's ways, but I want to be blessed and I want to be born again. I know I'm going to he- go to heaven, but I, I still want to live my way. And so when I read this here, I, I have to look and say, okay, God expects me to obey his commandments. Now, I'm not saved by my obedience But it is a sign that I love Jesus and want to do what's right with him. And so when you see here, obey my commandments, these aren't multiple choice. This is his desire for all of us. Verse 16. And the Lord Jesus said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Now this was Jesus' words. One besides me in addition to me, but he he would be just like me. He'll do in my absence what I would do if I was physically present with you. Now, this is what Jesus says right here. I will pray to the Father and he'll give you another helper. Now, when you see the word helper there, oftentimes when you talk about the Holy Spirit in this sense, especially in the Amplified, it gives the seven covenant names of the Holy Spirit. He's your advocate. The, The Passion Translation says he's your defense attorney. Ooh, I, I like a defense attorney. It goes along with that song we just sang. He, he, he pleads my case, and God says, you're innocent because of that. So he's an advocate. 
He's my counselor. He's my comforter. He's my helper. He's my intercessor. He's my strengthener and my standby. Well, you know, I just don't want that much of God. So you can tell me you do well enough without those? No, we need the Holy Spirit. And so when you see this, right, this was Jesus' idea. He said, listen, I pray to the Father that he gives you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Now, it's interesting to me right here that the Lord Jesus identifies the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. Not as the spirit of lies, but the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world doesn't look for him and the world does not recognize him. But you know him. But you know him. Now, I put a question mark right there. But do you really know him? See, we may have heard scriptures about the Holy Spirit. We may have heard doctrine about the Holy Spirit. We may have been told about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so I can have all this doctrine or theology about the Holy Spirit, but I really don't know him. So what would be the proof or the evidence that you know him? Well, if I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit, shouldn't there be a difference in my actions, my attitudes, my behaviors if he's really within me? And better yet, if I really know him, to know someone, that means i got to have a relationship with him. And to have a relationship with him, I've got to spend time with him. And so it's like this. If Shelly called me on the phone and I picked up the phone and she says, hello, and I said, who is this? No, the minute I hear her voice, I know her voice because I've spent time with her. Well, that's the desire of the Holy Spirit, that he speaks to us through this still, small voice in our hearts. He's going to speak to you in your thoughts. He's not going to write in the sky, hey, stupid. And I don't, and I don't mean that ugly, okay? He loves us, but again, I look at this, so do I really know him? And he goes on to say, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Turn a couple of pages just for you to write to John 16. John 16. Verse 7, and if you'll notice, and I, I really highly encourage you, read John 14, 15, 16. But you'll see here in chapter 16, this is red letter words, this is Jesus referring to all this again. He says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him you. And so Jesus is telling us that his loss will be more than compensated by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, it's, it's to your advantage. Now think about this. He's got these disciples he's, he's walked the earth with for three years. And they're sitting there listening to him. And he's looking at him and says, listen, guys, I want you to get this. It's, it's to your advantage that I go away. And they're thinking, how could it be to our advantage? And so he goes on to say here in verse 8. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin. 
One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin. And a word that will help us other than convict is the word convince. So what the Holy Spirit does, he begins to work on the inside of us and he begins to convince us, I've got sin and I need a savior. But he doesn't convict of sin to beat us up. He doesn't convict us of sin to hurt us, but to help us. Why? Because godly sorrow leads to repentance. And so that's his desire. And there's a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. You know what condemnation is? It beats you up. It's like it takes a hammer and beats you in the head. Uh, Romans 8 verses 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And so he convicts. You want to have a good prayer in your life? Welcome the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to shape us where we become more Christ-like. He wants to refine us in that area to say, man, I I want you to be best. And then the next thing he says, he'll, he'll convict you of sin and he'll convict you of righteousness. The conviction of righteousness is this. That when I get born again, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. The word righteousness means I'm in right standing. So the Holy Spirit goes to work in you and says, you're in right standing with the Father based on what Jesus did. And so that's great news. I don't have to be eaten up with guilt and shame anymore. That Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he comes in. He begins to convince me. You know what? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm right. St- I'm t- that's refreshing to say that. Well, you don't know my past. Well, I may not know your past, but I know Jesus' past, and his blood still speaks to this day. And if the Bible says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, I'm going to serve. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God. And he ends right here, and he says, and he'll convict of judgment, and he's talking toward the devil, and he says, I'm going to judge him. Be guaranteed. I'm going to judge him. Verse 13. However, when he, now, if you like marking in your Bible, you might, you might want to circle all the he's here, okay? Because there's a bunch of he's in this. It's interesting to me when, when the Lord Jesus describes he, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, but he didn't say it. He didn't say it. He said he. Well, what's a he? It's the person of God that comes to live on the inside of us. Now, who wouldn't want God living on the inside of them? I welcome that. So every place in this verse that he says he, I'm going to say the Holy Spirit. However, when the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth has come, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. Man, that's a great thought. And the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own authority, but whatever the Holy Spirit hears, the Holy Spirit will speak, and the Holy Spirit will Tell you things to come. In other words, you get inside information from the Spirit of God. So I read these right here. These were the Lord Jesus' words. And I I love the thought. He's going to lead me and guide me in the truth. He's going to show me things to come. Now, to help us out a little more this morning... I just want to show you how the Holy Spirit will influence every one of our lives. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Woo, he's good, he's good, he's good, he's good. 
I want to highlight something as you're turning there. I made a statement that wasn't totally true. It wasn't false, but I left some things out. I, I said recently that the, there's two areas that God won't move in your life. One is because of doubt and unbelief. That's true. That's Mark 6. You can study that. The second area, God will not move in your life if you're full of pride. 1 Peter 5, God resists the proud. But I left it at that. And whoa, the Lord works on me when I say stuff that aren't totally to the truth. So another area is this, that when I have sin in my life, that's why it's so important that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. It's not if we're going to sin. Romans 3, 23, we've all sinned. The question isn't if we've sinned. The question is, what do I do with the sin? And so when I repent, and I come before God with a heart of sorrow, and I repent and say, Father God, I did this. Do you know God loves it when we take full ownership? I, I did this, Father God. I chose to do this. And we repent of it. It opens the door. The, the fourth area that I can tell you specifically that blocks God from moving in our life is, is uh, Mark 11, 24, 25. If you have unforgiveness in your heart. He said, if you don't forgive others, I can't forgive you. And so don't walk around with your whole life with a tattoo on your forehead that says, I live in a habitual state of offense. I'm always mad at someone. Man, get rid of that junk, okay? Get rid of it and God will move in your life. Just a little thought there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. But he who is joined or knitted together to the Lord is one spirit with him. So what happens is when I give my heart to Jesus, I, I become married to Jesus. Just like that. We become one with him. Verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Run from sexual immorality. One translation says, you must run and keep running from sexual looseness. Why? Keep reading. Every sin, and I want to highlight that, he called sexual immorality sin. But listen, pastor. It's not sin in our society or our culture. If it feels good, do it. Well, you can, but understand this. With every act or choice that you make, there's going to be consequences with it. Don't kid yourself. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he commits sexual immorality, sins against his own body. Wow. So sexual immorality has far-reaching effects. It has incredible spiritual significance. So I say this right here. When you go back and look, we're married to Jesus. Jesus isn't into dating. He's into being married. So when we get into sexual sins, we do stuff that breaks that covenant. Now you can color code it any way you want. You can say whatever you want. The only act of sex that is good is when you're married. There's two agreements. Hebrews 13 says the marriage bed is undefiled. It didn't say any bed. So I, I don't care who you are. If you're not married, you're in S-I-N. And you know what? You can send me emails. It doesn't bother me, okay? Only the truth sets you free. And I love you enough to tell you the truth because we live in a society that says, if it feels good, do it. We live in a society that says skin is in. 
It's not in. It's not in. You walk around showing off your little fanny or your little other things, you're going to get in trouble, okay? I'm just telling you. And you say, well, Pastor, you shouldn't talk about that in church. Well, it's in the Bible. So if we don't talk about it in the church, do you want the sex education class at school to teach them? Because I'll tell you what they'll tell them. And if you're in here, I hope you're old enough to hear this. I don't mean this ugly, okay? But I read what the Bible says. Now, why is that so? Why do you want that talking about the Holy Spirit? Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Woo! Do you not know that your body is the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit? Did you not know that your body is the place that the Holy Spirit likes to be? Keep reading. Who is in you? Whom you have from God. Wait a minute, wait. The Holy Spirit's from God? Well, that's what it said. Man, if it's from God, that's got to be a good thing. Whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Wow. Verse 20. For you were bought with a price. A huge price. A 1 Peter 1.18 price. That the blood of Jesus was incredible. But it cost a high price. You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And in your spirit. Which are God's. So if I'm having a problem with sexual immorality. Why don't I call upon the Holy Spirit to help or to ask him to help me? He's here to help us. He's not here to hinder you or hurt you. He's here to help us. And so what happens within all our lives? We got issues, and I'm not stupid. I know with men. Uh, Job 31, he said, you got to make a covenant with your eyes. And so I say, Holy Spirit, man, I need you. I need your help. And so this is what he's getting over to. But even more so, it's like, man, thank God that you're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to the, the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. See, when I get filled with the Holy Spirit, he goes to work in me. And again, the desire is for it to help us to become Christ-like. And so to become Christ-like, sometimes this can be painful because there's things in my life he's got to cut off. The craziness, the distractions, the sin... And so the Holy Spirit wasn't sent for thrills and chills and Holy Ghost goosebumps. He came to help us to become Christ-like. He came to help us. Now, I'm going to go through this morning and you're going to begin to see over and over and over again the significance of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day which he was taken up after he, the Lord Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, The Lord Jesus had the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 38, read that one. And given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. He had given uh, commandments to the apostles he had chosen. Verse 3, 
to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So when you see this statement here, the 40 days, after Jesus rose from the grave, he was going to be on the earth for 40 more days. So when we read this right here, understand that this is Jesus' last 40 days on the earth. And so if it was your last 40 days on the earth, wouldn't you want to make your thoughts really well known? You'd say, now this is what you got to do. So these right here are Jesus' last thoughts. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, the 12 disciples, he commanded them. He commanded. So think about this. He's at this table and the 12 are sitting there and looking at him. And he commands them. He doesn't suggest. He doesn't say this is take it or leave it. He commands. And you want to command somebody? You can command when you die on a cross. And after three days you raise from the dead. Then you can command, okay? So when I read this. This was Jesus' command. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard this from me. In other words, Jesus says, I've endorsed this. So what was the promise of the Father? Verse 5. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so Jesus right here, he's getting ready to transfer all his power and authority he had through the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. Therefore, when they'd come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel, the messianic kingdom? And he said to them, it's not for your time to know, it's not for you to know the times or seasons for the Father's putting his own authority. In other words, Jesus said, don't, don't worry about when the second coming, don't worry when that's going to happen, because the truth of the matter is nobody knows but the Father. Jesus says, I don't even know. Now, I'm going to save some of you some money. The next time you see a book that comes out that begins to predict the second coming of Jesus, don't buy it. You know why? They don't know. 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come back in 1988. That was a true book. That was 32 years ago. Wow, we're still here. And that guy said we were going to exit. So again, Jesus says, don't waste your time on that. But look what he says in verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive confidence, boldness, strength when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, when you look at this right here, Jesus does not insinuate there's any other way you're going to receive power except through the Holy Spirit. And I highlight this. He said, when the Holy Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't say when you earn, the, when you receive. So the word receive to me, it's like a gift. The way I get a gift, I receive it. How'd you get born again and you receive Jesus as Lord of your life? So he said the same thing about the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit. 
So what I begin to see right here with this passage right here, the Holy Spirit is vital. The Holy Spirit is so needed. And so he says this to these disciples that had walked the earth with him for three years. Now, these guys had been around Jesus for three years. They had seen his teaching. They had seen his miracles. They had seen his prayer life. They had seen everything in those three years. Now, think about their life in those three years when they were with him. This one guy named Peter, he rebuked Jesus. You're brilliant to rebuke Jesus. And I looked over and over. They failed and they did the stupidest things when Jesus was with them. But now he said, it's to your advantage that I go away, that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus gets arrested that night, he gets arrested. They all scatter. They're gone. But after Jesus leaves, and in verse 9, 10, you read that right after he said this, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power. Do you know he ascended into heaven? He tells them, you'll receive power. And then he says, hot lasagna, I'm out of here. He does a Peter Pan, he's gone. Those were his last words. And so I'm sure they're looking at each other and thinking, what did that mean? Well, then we get into Acts 2 and they did receive the Holy Spirit. But what I found out is after these guys who had failed miserably, they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they become different. Peter the pathetic becomes Peter the powerful. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So what about us? See, without the Holy Spirit, your discipline will fail you and your knowledge will fool you. Tweet that one. (laughs) Go with me to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Now I took this passage of scripture right here. This, this area right here is going to really help you with the Holy Spirit. Incredibly. Okay? This, this is what you got to get this morning. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And I, the Apostle Paul, says, Brethren, when I come to you, I did not come with excellent speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I didn't come with lofty words. I, I didn't come with eloquence. I didn't come with human wisdom. Now listen about this guy named named Paul who's speaking right here. He was a brilliant scholar. Brilliant. He he could have baffled them. You know, the thing with God, God doesn't do things man's ways. Because here's what's interesting. God sent this brilliant scholar named Paul to the Gentiles. But he sent this guy who wasn't so brilliant, a fisherman named Peter, to the Jews. Now figure that one out. So again, God doesn't do things the way man does. But but Paul highlights right here and he said, I didn't come with eloquence of speech. Verse 2. Watch this. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So when you study Paul's life, guess what he preached? He preached Jesus. Jesus died. Jesus rose. He preached Jesus' blood. He preached Jesus' broken body. He preached Jesus, the name above every name. That's all he preached was Jesus. He didn't get over and say, I'm preaching this denomination. I'm preaching about this church. I'm pe-. It's all about Jesus. Jesus, that's it. Boy, howdy, we would do good if we hung with that one, wouldn't we? Jesus, give me Jesus. 
Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And the reason he says this is his desire was to preach the word of God with relevance, with accuracy, with boldness. He he didn't want to mess people up. Verse 4, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But in demonstration of the spirit and power. You know what I see right here? Was he telling us this is what's going to begin to happen? That more and more people will go to human philosophies. They'll exchange the word of God for truths of man. That's my next series. It'll start here maybe next week. I don't know. Let me study a little more. But it's interesting what he said. So not only did this guy believe in preaching Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He said... I preach Jesus with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That that was his expectation. Verse 5. And that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And trust God. Don't look to the things of man. Verse 9. But as is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, this is where we're going to get really good this morning, okay? I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of the man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's Isaiah 64, 4 is what he just quoted. And what we see here is he's saying, God has prepared some things for those who love him. I hadn't seen an ear, hadn't heard. But let me ask you something. Wouldn't you like to know what God's prepared for you? Man, if there's things that I hadn't seen and ear hadn't heard, but he said he's prepared for those who love him. Well, if you're born again, I love Jesus. I want to know what God's prepared for me. So we keep going here. Verse 10. But God has revealed them the things he's prepared for those who love him to us through his spirit. The, the only way that you give revelate, get revelation of these things is through the Holy Spirit. So guess what he just said? Without the Holy Spirit, you're never going to know. And I want to know. Keep reading. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? In other words, the only person that really knows what's going on in another person is that person. So I can look at Dylan right now and I can think, his tummy's growling. He's really hungry. He's thinking about a cheeseburger. And he'd look and say, you're not even close, Pastor. Not even close. Well, he's the only one who knows that. So the only one that knows really who you are, what's in you, is you. But watch this statement. No man that knows except the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So do you want to know the things of God? You got to hang around with the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who knows them. Well, listen here, Pastor. He said, I got a reputation. I don't want someone looking at me like I'm wholly weird. 
But Romans 1 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Again, I don't know where we get off thinking just because people say with their whole, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're weird. I realize there's been weird manifestations, but again, I will highlight this. The Holy Spirit doesn't do weird things. People do weird things. Let me help you a little more with that. Granola people do weird things. What's granola? They're a little nutty and a little flaky. Okay? What chapter's that? Well, that's Dylan. He'll tell you what chapter that is. Verse 12. Now, now, we have received, we don't earn, we've received not the spirit of the world, not the spirit that leads us to the world system, but the spirit who is from God. My Bible, that statement there, the spirit who is from God, it's marked in green. I, I don't have any other place in my Bible that's marked in green. I don't know why it's marked in green. I guess it really got my attention. The spirit who is from God. The Holy Spirit is not from the devil. The spirit is from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given us by God. So right there again, he tells us, you want to know the things that have been freely given to you by God? You got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get in tune with the Holy Spirit. Get on his frequency. Well, how do I do? I got to spend time with him. Got to spend time with him. I got to get where I hear that still small voice. Verse 13. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The Holy Spirit has a way of downloading the revelations of God into you. And so the next time you read the Bible, say, Holy Spirit, show me things. Reveal things to me. And you may get into the Proverbs, and you're reading the Proverbs, and it may be one of those, you've read it a hundred times, and all of a sudden it's like, bing! I've never seen that. That's the Holy Spirit revealing truth to you. Verse 13. These things we also speak not in words which man wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, the Passion Translation says, for the natural man, the one without the Spirit or devoid of the Spirit, he does not receive the things of the Spirit. Why? For they are foolishness to him. They don't make any sense to him. Nor can he know because they are only spiritually discerned or spiritually illuminated. Now, just right here. Do you see why we need the Holy Spirit? Woo, he'll lead me and guide me in the truth. He'll show me things to come. Romans 8, 14, he says, those, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. Romans 8, 16 says, the Spirit of God will bear witness with my spirit. And so it happens like this where I say, Holy Spirit, I receive you. And then you begin to say, Woo, show me things that come. Teach me, lead me, and guide me. How many of you right now could use a little insight on an area of your life? Woo, show me things to come, Lord. Show me things to come. Let me just give you this little illustration right here. Years ago, we were looking at the process of buying a home. And we went to this home over and over and over again. Shelly's like, I like it, I like it, I like it. You got to buy it, you got to buy it, you got to buy it. Well, I had the money to buy it, but every time I would go in there, I would get this yuck in me. 
And we'd go to every room, and man, her and the realtor, they were like, oh, we love this, we love this, we love this. And I'm looking like, oh, Jesus, what am I going to do? And it was like he was saying, the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. And so we went back several times. Every time I'd go in there, I'd get that. And so this day, they came and they said, you know what? Today, we're going to sign a contract. And it got real intense. And, and it was like the Holy Spirit was standing there with a big billboard saying, no, stupid, no. He didn't say stupid. And I was freaking out. Why? I didn't want to disappoint you. I didn't want to disappoint. I wanted her to have that house, but it just wasn't that one. So I looked and I said, I'm not buying that one. I'm not buying that one. And I said, I'm not against buying you a house. I'm just not buying that one. Did you, did you ultimately buy her a house? I did. Relax. I did. She got the house. Six months after that, that house we went into, it was built on a high foundation. It began to sink. This, this is no joke. There were cracks in that concrete that big in the floor all over the place. And when they showed me those, I was like, "Woo!" the Holy Spirit made this guy look really smart. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. For the, I, I can tell you illustration after illustration how the Holy Spirit will begin. But I incorporate. I said, show me things that come. I welcome that. I welcome that. And, and so when the Holy Spirit begins to lead you and guide you, it's, it's in your heart. Sometimes he moves within your mind and he'll put a, a God thought in you where you look and think, where did that come from? It's God. And oftentimes the Holy Spirit will lead you by peace. When you're supposed to move in a direction, it'll be peace. You're like, oh, that's a peace of God. When it isn't peace, it's a yuck. It's a yuck on the inside. And you're like, I can't do that. I can't do that. You think running a red light in the natural is expensive? You run a spiritual red light, it'll cost you. What do you mean by that? When the Holy Spirit directs you and says, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Don't marry that dud. No, I didn't mean that. Stud or a dud, Valentine's is coming, I'm warning you. Yeah, I got to follow God, I got to follow God, I got to follow God. And so I go back and I review everything we've talked about this morning. Man, I, I want to obey the word of God. I want to obey Jesus. I want to obey the commands. But if you think you're going to do it on your own ability, you're not going to do it. Why? You got this thing called flesh. And the only way I'm going to get rid of this is die and go be with Jesus. And I'm not ready to do that quite yet. The second area again. We, we live in a society that's saturated with sexual sin. Oh, Lord, he's getting on that again. Again, I can't whip those things without the Holy Spirit. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Well, I don't have problems with my eyes. I don't need the Holy Spirit for that. Well, we'll call you David Jr. Go look at Bathsheba and see what happens. So again, I look at these things, I, I, I got to have the Holy Spirit. I got to have the power to say, man, I need this, I need this. But I go back to the rest. I need power. You would be endued with power. For, I need power. I need Holy Spirit strength. I need Holy Spirit guidance. I want him to lead me and guide me into the truth. I want him to show me things to come. I want to help her. And Jesus is saying, well, duh, there it is. It's your choice. 
And so I could tell you over and over again illustrations about, man, how good the Holy Spirit's been to us. How he'll lead you and guide you. But it becomes your choice. Why don't you stand up here with me this morning? Goodness of God, huh? And the Word of God will teach us. You know what I like to do with the scriptures? When, when I see these verses, just, just what we just read, I, I go to these scriptures and I pray these. I pray these. I say, Father God, I, I thank you. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, through the scriptures it said that you would, you would show me things to come. You would lead me and guide me. You would, you would show me revelation knowledge. I welcome you today in my life. I welcome you in my job today. I welcome you when I'm messing with electricity and it's 110 and I hate to get bit. I welcome you. But something happens when we begin to pray those and say, man, I welcome this. The only thing that keeps you from receiving the Holy Spirit is you've got to be born again got to get born again. Give your heart to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now. It's kind of personal right here. You know, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, man, you sense something tugging on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what that is. And you say, man, I, I need to give my heart to Jesus. There may be some of you in here that says, Woo, I, I need to come back to Jesus. I, I hadn't, I'm going to tell you right now, he loves you. We love you. And so if that's you right now, you need Jesus. He's like, I just need to get born again. I, I need to become a new creation reality in Christ. I, I welcome you right now just to make a bold step. Get out of your seat and just walk on down here. We're not going to throw stones at you. It's going to be a good thing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Goodness of God. You know, I wish I think we could all clean ourselves up, but the only way we can is through the blood of Jesus. Come on up here, Don. You're good. Just the blood of Jesus. That's the love of God. It's the blood of Jesus. So that's the joy of repentance. I come before God and say, man, Father God, I've blown it. I've blown it. Pastor, have you blown it this week? Yeah. Thank God I can repent. So that's what we're going to do here. We're, we're going we're to take ownership of our actions, our sins, and we're going to repent. So you guys down here at the altar, I, I want you to pray this, okay? say this from your heart and all of us in auditorium we might as well pray because we've all probably blown it this week too so let's just pray this say this from my heart say dear heavenly father I come before you as a sinner father God I take full ownership of my choices 
Father God, I ask you right now to forgive me of all my sin. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood that not only forgives me, but your blood has marked me as an overcomer. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I don't know if you feel any different. If you do, that's great. But if you don't, you're still saved because the Word of God is true. So you receive Jesus as Lord of your life. And so it's just as that song saying, I'm innocent. I'm innocent because of the blood of the Lamb. Thank God we're innocent. So here's what we're going to do this morning. You may want to walk down here, and I, I do believe with this all my heart, something happens when we come to an altar. We come down here, we're not moved by who's here, who's not here. We're, we're not moved by what we do or don't do. I'm not here to impress anyone. I'm, I'm here to receive Jesus. And, and some of you today will be receiving of the Holy Spirit. That simple. Holy Spirit, I, I welcome you. I welcome you to my heart. I welcome you to my heart. And so as they begin to sing, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we welcome you down here. We'll pray with you. If you want a fresh feeling, you say, man, I, I need more of God. I, I need stirring back up. I need to get back in the game. The Holy Spirit will fill. He said, remember, receive, receive, receive. So that's what we're going to do. Go ahead and sing, guys. I welcome you. The altars are open if that's you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.